It's the Real Estate Podcast, across every state, city and town of Australia. And welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Podcast, available on iHeartRadio every morning and also on Spotify and Apple and wherever you get your podcasts from. Well, it's another Sunday morning that has rocked along. Yes, the 28th day of August for 2022. And if you've been navigating over the weekend around property, I hope it has been a great weekend for you. Hopefully, whichever side of the coin you are on, whether it's buying or selling, that you got the greatest result. Coming up this morning, we are shortly going to dive into the last seven days with the Sunday rewind of the week in review. Now, if you've missed any of the episodes last week, we have a little bit of a snapshot of the best of them right here. And if you're celebrating your birthday for the 28th of August, perhaps you were celebrating it last night. Have a great Sunday. You share it on the same day as Leanne Rhymes. She is turning 39. And Shania Twain, she is turning 56. A couple of country singers, although Shania Twain wouldn't want to just be classed as a country singer. And also on this day in 1963, Martin Luther King Jr. delivers his I Have a Dream speech. It was at the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C. And of course, it can be argued, have we learnt anything from his speech all those years ago? It's the main centre forecast with propertybuyer.com.au. Well, I'll let you be the judge of that one. Let's have a look at your weather around Australia. First, we go to Sydney and expecting a mostly fine and sunny Sunday. 21 is your forecast high. In Melbourne, look at that temperature, 20 degrees today. Partly cloudy and it should be mainly dry. And in Brisbane, expecting a possible shower, 23 is your forecast top. And one or two morning showers expected for Perth today and your high of 17 degrees. Grab your coffee and switch on your real estate breakfast every weekday morning from 6.30. It's your real estate weekend podcast in review. It is a one bedroom, it is a one bathroom. So tell us what the purchase price was. What did you manage to achieve here? We managed to sell it for two million and five thousand. Uh, the reserve was one point five eight. So yes, you're right. It still was a one bedroom, one bathroom. So an extraordinary outcome for an apartment of that size. Wow! And is that some sort of a record? Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So that's a new record for for Double Bay for a one bedroom apartment in that area, and certainly for a square meterage as well. So how many square meters? There was seventy five internally and another 45 externally, and then, of course, the car space at 13. We're soon to be heading into spring. How much of a factor is that right now, do you think? Meaning, do you think that some people want to beat the spring rush and buy now when the temperature is a little bit colder? My experience has really been that buyers tend not to be seasonal. It's more around, unless they're investors, it's more around when they have a need to find something. They don't sort of turn off their search in winter. It's just that unfortunately they have less choice because people are less inclined to put their properties on the market when they feel that the, perhaps their property isn't able to be shown off in the best light, the best sunlight or the best weather. I think that the the year itself and the weather particularly has probably had the biggest impact on people wanting to go out and look at properties in the rain. And so obviously with a little bit better weather, we're finding that 
that more people are venturing out. And of course, finally coming back from overseas because without the COVID restrictions, we've really found that the majority of people have been absent and enjoying the sunshine on the other side of the world. Enjoy your morning coffee. It's your real estate weekend podcast in review. So people have been making over $1 million in profit, $900,000, $800,000. Your recent reports looked at a profit breakdown from March of this year to July of this year. So let's start with breaking down some of those areas that really turbocharged a vendor's bank balance. Yeah, absolutely. So we've looked at people that have sold properties uh, from March to July this year, which is since interest rates started to increase, to look at you know who are these sellers, how much profit are they making, how long have they held their properties for. The results were quite striking. So particularly in, in regions to the north of Sydney, places like Pitwater and Manly and Kooringai, we saw people making the, the typical seller over that period, that includes houses and unit sales, was was over a million dollars in Pitwater and Manly and, and $830,000 in the Kurungai region of Sydney. These regions were kind of typical of that lifestyle shift that we saw at the start of the pandemic. So we saw the northern beaches and north of Sydney, as well as um, places like the north of New South Wales coast and places like Noosa in Queensland. Partly that's off the back of those big price gains since the pandemic started, but also it's because these regions are, are really expensive to start with. So the decrease in yields that have pushed prices up have had a bigger effect in these regions. And Paul, what about properties? Because this really featured in your report, it was a bit of a standout. Properties held for six to eight years are overrepresented in recent sales. So tell us a little bit about that aspect of your report. Yeah, so I think it was interesting to look at this because I think there's a bit of a narrative that since interest rates have increased and lockdowns have ended, a lot of the people that kind of made these tree or sea changes now are selling up and kind of moving back to cities. And and that's not what we're seeing in the data at all. So we're not seeing more people that's, that bought in the past kind of one or two years, people that bought in the pandemic selling now. What we're seeing is the people that have sold over the past uh, five months have generally been people that bought well before the pandemic. So as you say, five, six, seven, eight years ago, um, people that have benefited from those that big capital appreciation that have increased their equity over, over that period. It's your Real Estate Weekend podcast in review. Okay, and two price in indexes that you really focus on. One is inflation, the CPI, and the other is the living cost indexes. Perhaps tell us a little bit about those. So they're both really interesting for people who are interested in real estate in particular. So we treat the two indexes, treat housing slightly differently. So for that inflation, for the consumer price index, we uh, look at what the cost to build our new house is. Uh, whereas for the living cost indexes, we look at how much people are paying for mortgage interest charges. So the reason they're a little bit different is because the CPI, the inflation index, is used by the Reserve Bank to set interest rates. So to have interest payments in the CPI would all become a bit circular, but it's still interesting for people to understand what's happening to living costs, which is more about what's happening to the interest payments that they're making rather than just buying the new houses. 
Yeah, and I think that probably because of the times that we live in, people won't necessarily think about the Australian Bureau of Statistics to turn to for some information. Now, you're going to be releasing a monthly indicator for inflation for the CPI. So perhaps maybe point people to the information, how they can get that and talk a little bit more now because you are doing it on a monthly basis. So we put out an information paper on Tuesday that we've got open for public comment all about how we might do a monthly CPI indicator, so a monthly indicator of inflation. And it's showing that over the months, April, May, June, inflation kept going up. So it was went up from 5.5 to 6.8 by June, which is a little bit higher than we were showing in the quarterly. And that just helps people understand sort of what direction it's going, gives everyone a more frequent read on what's happening in the economy around prices. It's the Real Estate Podcast across Australia, seven days a week. Outside of this uh, big bump of listings, what's really going on there in Hobart? Yeah, so as I said, over the last few months, it has been all about the owners having the strength in the market, so to speak, whereas buyers were being a little bit hard done by in our market because there was so much competition going on. That shift now we've seen particularly over the last couple of weeks. For instance, uh, myself and my offsider Hamish, we've listed uh, 12 properties in the last week and a half. That's been a huge increase on what we were seeing. So now it's starting to turn around a little bit more into a buyer's market where buyers aren't feeling like they have to rush into do a decision. Are you finding that, you know, as we head towards spring, people are just feeling just a little bit better about life? Well, it's usually the trend. Once the AFL finals down here in Tassie start to get going, it seems to be that everybody decides to put their property on the market. However, that's happening a little bit earlier than what it has over the past few years. But the increase suddenly is really rapid. Like this is the biggest growth we've seen in a long time down here. And the change is evident as to what's going to be happening in the market over the next year. Gee, do, do, you reckon, do you reckon AFL plays a factor in the local property economy? Well, we have a giggle down here. Uh, in Tassie, obviously, we're hugely dominated by Aussie rules. Uh, and basically, we have a bit of a laugh and we sort of say when AFL finals roll around and springtime comes around, everybody gets their lawnmowers out and they decide to uh, put their property on the market. But they've jumped the gun a little bit earlier uh, this year and uh, it's all happening now. The Prop Track report uh, also puts a spotlight on the suburbs with the best growth results, led by the prestigious Sandy Bay, where listings increased by 110% year on year. Yeah, Sandy Bay is the blue chip suburb of Tasmania and Hobart. It's quite a big suburb, so there's a lot of a lot of property in the area, and it's broken down into sort of Lower Sandy Bay and Sandy Bay itself. So there's it's always popular. That never changes. Sandy Bay is always dominated by listings and stock. It's always going to be one of those popular markets, you know, with the facilities down there. They're growing, obviously being close to the beach. It's just a lifestyle down there. So there's always movement, whether people are coming into that suburb or they're leaving. Uh, it's always busy there. It's your Real Estate Weekend Podcast in Review. In amongst all of this, we must not forget about the locals who have been completely locked out of their own market. 
That's right. Look, it's an extraordinary situation. And I think one point to press on here is how much Australians love lifestyle locations. And it really shows now that many Aussies are willing to pay a premium for that lifestyle location. And that was really evident during the pandemic with many Sydney and Melbourne city slickers taking their city salaries and moving to the regions. And what's that done? What that's done is really turbocharged the price growth in those areas. And often these residents move there with, with massive sort of pools of equity that they'd made on their properties in the big Sydney and Melbourne markets. And then they took that money and then put it into property in the regions. And now what it's doing is sort of disrupting the locals, so to speak. And that's why I think we're seeing, you know, Byron's new median house price is $1.8 million now, whereas Ballina is $1.1 million. And you can see the areas surrounding Byron, like Ballina, are sort of the ones who are picking up the pieces of those displaced locals who have been sort of forced out of where they were living because they just cannot afford the rent or property prices if they were between houses during this absolute boom time in the regions. Yeah, well said. And what about this situation? I was thinking about this this morning where a family of, say, four, mum and dad, couple of kids, uh, they've been living in the area. Mum and dad bought the property, say, 10 years ago. Loving it. The kids now are of that age where they want to buy their property. And they always thought, well, yeah, we'll probably end up buying a property in the same town as mum and dad. We love it. We've grown up here. It's a really relaxed lifestyle. But now hey, not enough money, can't do it, they're forced to move out. It's a real, really sort of sad situation because often what happens is it's not until those parents potentially are deceased and there's an estate that's carved up and potentially given to the kids that the kids are actually going to have that money and actually sort of reap the rewards, I say in air quotes, of what the parents invested in all those decades prior. But as a, yet again, and what it's doing is really pushing people away from their home, I suppose, of those areas where they grew up, the local country school that they went to that they thought they'd send their children to, the church down the road they might have got married at they're now really having to go further and further out and it's not just like what can happen in the metro cities where people might have to go a few kilometers down the road or something you know to, to, to a neighboring suburb we connect you to the best real estate information across australia the real estate podcast 